In 1986, Marvel Comics celebrated its 25th anniversary. To commemorate the date, every comic from November of that year featured a portrait of its protagonist, framed by Spider-Man, Wolverine, Phoenix, and assorted champions of the house that Kirby, Lee, and Dicko built. I collected a lot of things when I was a kid. Football cards, coins, stamps, bag grades. But nothing meant more to me than my comics, and in that collection, Nothing meant more to me than those 25th anniversary covers. I've spent too much time trying to understand why. Certainly part of it was trying to imagine myself out of the inner city of my youth. But there was also the thing I was imagining myself into. Invocations of a connected universe are now cliche. But I'm asking you to imagine the world before TikTok and Twitter, before Angel Fire and Earthlink, before Tumblrs and Wikis, before everything and everyone were linked in. Back then, Marvel Comics didn't just feel like a connected universe, but also a secret universe. A pocket dimension where all your amazing, incredible, and uncanny heroes regaled, fought, lived, and died. T'Challa, the Black Panther, is the oldest character of African descent in mainstream comics. But he is not among that 25th anniversary gallery. He isn't even in the frame. Indeed, in the 80s, when I was obsessed with Marvel Comics, T'Challa was a spotty presence, making only occasional appearances in the Fantastic Four or in anthology titles like Marvel Fanfare. That the character has come to be so central in the Marvel Universe reflects the labor of a diverse group of creators, ranging from Reginald Hudlin to Christopher Priest to Roxanne Gay to Billy Graham. Those comic creators laid a foundation, and on that foundation, Ryan Coogler built Black Panther the movie, which in turn pushed T'Challa out of the pocket universe and into the mainstream consciousness. Ryan's T'Challa was a conflicted hero, a good man struggling to be a great king, one who sought to both protect Wakanda while redefining some of the country's core tenets. And still the film gave us all the set pieces we needed, the car chases, the ritual combat, the futuristic fighter jets. It was the combination of moments, both big and small, the eye for both the spectacular and the intimate that made Black Panther a great film. Of course, it was also more than that. I'm thinking of the crowds of Black fans going to the theaters in traditional African garb. I'm thinking of the time I saw Black Panther at the Magic Johnson Theater in Harlem and the crowd cheering and yelling at the screen. The show in the audience rivaled the show on screen. I'm thinking of Victor Oladipo competing in the dunk contest on All-Star Weekend, wearing a Black Panther mask. Black Panther wasn't just a film. It was a phenomenon. But when Black Panther's lead actor Chadwick Boseman passed two years later, the phenomenon became a tragedy. Chad was one of the great actors of our generation, and those of us who knew him understood that his ambitions extended well beyond that. It would always be a challenge to follow up Black Panther. But when Chad transitioned, the labor of making a sequel to Black Panther went from merely formidable to Herculean. And yet, as I told Ryan at the time, I could think of no one better suited 
for the labor than him. The film he has co-written and directed, Wakanda Forever, is something that pushes the genre of the superhero narrative to its extremities. Perhaps most importantly, it honors the legacy of the man who is now an ancestor and pulls from an immeasurable loss something meaningful and profound. My name is ta Coates. I spent a few years writing the Black Panther comic book. I'm a friend of Ryan's, and I had the privilege of talking to him about the journey from Black Panther to Wakanda Forever before the latter film debuts. I talked to Ryan on a break from editing Wakanda Forever, while he was still clearly knee-deep in an expansive epic. The conversation ultimately centered around something much more personal, the loss of Ryan's lead actor and friend, Chadwick Boseman. I found Ryan's thoughts funny, bracing, and sad. But above all, I found them enlightening. I hope you do too. Hey, Cook, I want to uh, start by just congratulating you on a hell of an achievement, man. I don't know how you follow up that first film. And, you know, with everything that happened, which we're going to talk about, I think the best thing I can say is you did follow up on it. And so I just want to start by congratulating you, man. Man, that's, that's kind of you to say, bro. Thank you, bro. Yeah. With, with that in mind, though, I, I just I want you to do me a favor. Can you set the scene and just give us some sense of where you actually were coming off of that first film? I wonder what your expectations were going in and then how you felt on the other side of it mm-hmm. uh, after it came out and seeing the reception, seeing how it was, all the hard work you put in. Can you set the scene for us a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, Black Panther... At that point, it was the craziest thing I'd ever done professionally. And at times it felt, felt like I wasn't going to survive going through it because it was so hard and intense and different from things that I had done before. Like, I forget how, how much pressure was on us while we were making that film because there hadn't been, you know, there was no Black Panther before it. There were other Marvel movies and, and everything that they had made before had like, had like worked really well and I think before us, it was like Spider-Man and maybe like Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and stuff. Like, you know, these, these movies that, that, you know, Thor, Ragnarok, these movies that were just like really, really working. So it was a lot of pressure. Strangely, Chad was always very confident. Mm-hmm. Chad kind of always knew what we had in a real way that was bizarre, you know. But, you know, getting to know, like thinking about him more, you know, he was always like kind of like ahead of things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and had a lot of clarity as a guy, but mm-hmm. you know, I was a mess. You know what I mean? Like, like going into the release of that film, and um, when it came out and, and it worked, like as a piece of business, and like it worked as like a piece of art. Once we realized, like, oh, okay, we kind of did what we set out to do, it was like a big breath of like, man, I was cool. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm bad for rambling, but <laughs> no, no, you're not rambling. Yeah. I just, I feel you're not rambling at all. I feel like you understating though a little bit. Because it didn't just work, right? Like, it went... I guess what I'm trying to see, could you foresee how far it actually went? Because it's not like, oh, yeah, well, we, we were profitable, did well. You know what I'm saying? No. People said it was a good movie. You know what I mean? It went a little further than that. No, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. But what I will say, it wasn't as if we weren't trying to, like, 
do our best. Like every day we was trying to knock it out the park. So that was the fear. It was like, yo, either we're going to homer this or we're going to strike out. You know what I'm saying? Like there was very much for me the feeling of either this is going to work or it's not. And if it works, man, it might work big. But if it doesn't, it's going to bomb big. You know what I'm saying? It, it was that kind of thing. So that's what I mean like when I say, okay, it worked. You know, your hope as an artist is like if the audience can feel it, how important something is to you. And it was everything to us. So like the only way it was ever going to work was it was going to have to work big. Right. It did work big. It worked huge. I mean, it was and is a historic film. You, you're going you're gonna to keep, you're going to try to prevent me from saying this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. It really was you. I mean, it really, really was you. And I, and I strongly, strongly believe that in the hands of, you know, somebody else. So you don't, you don't want to hear this, but I'm going to say it. In the hands of somebody else, um, is no guarantee this will happen. And quite frankly, when things went the way they went going into the second one and Chad passed, you know, I know we had, you know, a bunch of conversations about how heavy that was. Mm-hmm. But um, again, I'm, I felt very strongly that no one else, no one, like there was nobody else to carry it. You know what I mean? Like you were the one, you know, to really, really, really carry it. And mm-hmm. while that's my opinion, I mean, I recognize that you live with yourself every day. You know what I mean? You wake up in the morning with yourself with all your <laughs> doubts, your fears and, yeah. you know, everything. And so I'm just curious, where you, like how you felt even before Chad passed, uh-huh. knowing that, oh, wow, that was great. We hit the home run. Actually, we hit a grand slam. Mm-hmm. Now we got to run it back. Did you want to run it back? Did you know you was doing a sequel? Like, where, where, where was it in your head? Yeah, I, I did, man. Like, um, I knew I wanted to make another one. And, and, you know, when I was doing my deep dive, you know, all of his stories, there were, like, a few characters that he would interact with. I thought, man, this is just, like, it's, this would be awesome. And I knew that, like, it would be Claw and Killmonger for the first one. But Namor was, like, all over these books. And it was always really interesting. Right. Um, so we would talk about, we would say, man, like, could we ever do Namor? And they had like contractual things going on with, with him as a character at the time. It was like something that could free up down the road. But it was something that like, uh, if we ran it back, it would, it would be about him and Namor and, and we would introduce um, Marvel's Atlantis to the fold. And this is before Aquaman came out. And, and you know, like this was before a lot of things, but we would talk about it from time to time. So I was always excited to come back knowing what it was. And that, that excited me quite a bit. And, and the second script was like, you know, it was like a T'Challa vehicle. It was like, okay, we set the world up. Now we're going to like do a, the deepest dive into this guy that you could imagine. You know what I mean? And and that was what excited me even more because I knew Chad better as a performer and as a, I knew him better as a guy. You know, so I feel like I had a better attack on T'Challa as a character after making that first film. But yeah, I got into writing that thing immediately. When you say immediately, do you mean like, so film comes out, like, when do you start taking notes for yourself? I was thinking about Wakanda and Atlantis often. Like, before we finished the movie, I would think about it. <laughs> and we had our first, like, real meeting. I think it was in 2018. It was, like, late 2018, I want to say. So, can you can you give us some sense of... I know you and I have talked about this, but what, what, was, what was Chad's role, not just in the film... But what did he mean as a participant, as as a player on the team? Right. What what was Chad to the Black Panther franchise right. from the perspective of things that those of us who were not there day to day wouldn't necessarily <laughs> see? Yeah. We know he's the star. He was the star. But yeah. What else? It's so much deeper than that. Like his significance to it, it, it can't be 
overstated and there's, there really isn't anything like it like in the industry um because he was cast before a director was hired for Black Panther Chadwick was hired for a movie called Civil War way before they, they knew for sure Black Panther was gonna be a movie you know what I'm saying and he was hired you know onto a, a, a white movie you know what I'm saying with, with white directors you know what I'm saying and, and white writers fortunately Nate Moore was the creative executive that was like assigned to the Civil War so, so there was Nate there on set every day but he was basically hired to play this African king this, this super iconic character from the comics and he was basically there to bring life to the character but what Chad was also doing was he was protecting us before us was even a thing you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like mm. he was mm. on set advocating for what Wakanda should be. And he was having very, very difficult conversations, man, conversations that are not easy to have. What is T'Challa going to sound like? You know, and he's having these conversations, man. I mean, on Civil War, he had to be like number 10 on the, on the call sheet. You know what I mean? It was maybe even lower. So you're saying he's not, it's not like he the star of Civil War. No, he's not Robert Downey. He's not Chris Evans at the time. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's a big deal. Like he's Chadwick Boseman. And he's playing T'Challa. But he was so good in that movie. And the decisions that he made were so amazing that it seemed like T'Challa was always a thing, like mm. when you watch that movie. Mm. It's like it's almost like he took the movie over in a way. But you, you gotta realize that that wasn't the case. Like he was he was in there having very difficult conversations with the most prolific, most powerful studio in the world. He was having hard conversations about what Wakanda was gonna be. You know, and those conversations relied on his talent. You know, Chadwick was, <laughs> you talk about Marvel being 10 steps ahead of the game. Chadwick was 30 steps ahead of the game. In many ways, he was like ahead of the studio, you know, like in terms of being confident in what was going to work. So he does that, you know, and it works. And now it's like, all right, man, now the studio can feel confident about making this movie, right? And he was a uh, team player is not the word. He came to every audition that I needed him at. Like he gave feedback on what it was like to play across from these people. Read every script, gave feedback. And it's not like personal feedback, like, oh, this is what my character thinks, man. You know, Chad was a writer. He was a, he was a writer, he was a director. He was an African cultural historian. You know what I'm saying? Like like he knew Shakespeare, he knew it, he knew it all. So like, it, like these was deep dive note sessions. You know, it was it was like pack your lunch. You know what I'm saying? We, we, gonna, we, gonna, really, we gonna really get into it. I was 29 when I was making that movie. Chad was like 40. He looked young, but he was a grown man. And like, he brought a level of seriousness and earnestness. And he was more confident in me than I was in myself at the time. Like he would come on set and proclaim, hey man, this is Star Wars. Look at these ships. Kids gonna love this, man. Let's go today, people. You know what I mean? Like, come on, come on, cool. You got this. Like. On days when I'm like, y'all don't even know how we gonna get 16 shots in 10 hours. You know what I'm saying, Chad? You talking about Star Wars, bro? I don't know what you're talking about. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you know, um, he was all these things. He sounds like like he was like the steward, basically, even before there was a movie. Like he was a steward of a character, steward of Wakanda before there was That's even correct. a movie. But he believed he was like ordained to get that role. Mm. Like he would, we would mm. talk about that. Like he'd be like, yeah. I, he, he like I had like in my vision journals that I wanted to do this role if they ever did it, and I felt like I could do it. Like it was, he was T'Challa before Civil War in a way, you know what I'm saying? In his mind, 
And I'm sure it's a lot of actors out there like that, but they wasn't Chad, you know what I'm saying? So for us, he was like a trailblazer. Right. In a, in a pace car. And he made the shit real. And everybody else kind of fell in line. So you're writing the sequel. Yeah. Um, you obviously a picture in him. You're thinking about him as you write it. Uh, where yeah. where were yeah. you in the... It was his movie, man. Like, you know. Right. Where, where were you in the script when you found out he passed? I, I just finished it, man. I, my, my last conversation with him was calling him, asking him if he wanted to read it before before I uh, got notes from the studio. That was the last time we spoke. And, and yeah, so I, you know, he, he passed maybe a couple weeks after I finished. What did he say when you asked him? <clears throat> man, you, you gonna, uh, give me a sec. My bad, bro. My bad. Uh, what, what do you, what do you, it's all good. What, what do you say when I, when I asked him? He was tired, bro. You know, uh, I could tell he was tired. I've, I've been trying to get a hold of him, like, for a few days. And, and, and Denzel had been trying to get a hold of him, too. So, so I texted him and told him, hey, man, Denzel said he been looking for you, too, because he had just did my rainy for Denzel. Um, so he called me and, um, I could tell he was laying down when we, was, when we were talking. Um, and, uh, and Simone was with him and, uh, he, he, <laughs> he kicked Simone out cause he told her he didn't want her to hear nothing that could, that could get him in trouble with his NDA. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, she didn't want to leave him. Mm-hmm. So I could so I could tell something was up, you know. Um, but they was joking and laughing, and um, he talked about how they was planning a wedding in uh, South Carolina, and like how many people they was going to invite, and you know. Um, and he asked about my kid, cause uh, he had missed a baby shower, and I. Uh, and then he was like, "Yeah, he didn't want to. He said he didn't want to read it because uh, he didn't he didn't want to get in the way with whatever notes the studio might have or what have you." So he was like, "It's better for him to read it later." Um, but I found out I found out later that he was he was too tired to read anything. Um, how long after that conversation did you find out he passed? I have to do the math on it, bro. Like it was, it was maybe a couple weeks. Yeah, maybe a couple weeks. I probably could check if I ran through my calendar, but it was probably a couple weeks. Do you remember how you found out? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I was I was at the house, and I got the call from um, I got the call from Charles King, and uh, and Craig Castell. Mm. Charles King is my my manager and uh, Craig Costello is my agent at WME. So they called because they heard, because I guess uh, all of the big agencies and managers were kind of found out before it broke in the press. And they called and told me that. And 
you know, I didn't want to believe it, so I called Nizel and uh, I spoke with him, and he, I was like, yeah, it might be just a rumor, you know what I'm saying? So I was texting Chad, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, you go through that denial, and, and and with technology, I think it it makes it kind of easier to, to deny things, you know what I'm saying? Like, you think, like, man, it's a host, or somebody say X, Y, Z, or and let me text him, let me call him, you know what I'm saying? So I texted him, um, and then I told Denzel, man, hey, check and see if it's a rumor. You know, he was like, I should do that. So he checked, he called me back, he was like, oh, it's not a rumor. And then my agents called back and said that the release had just been posted. You know, so that was, that was, how, that was how I found out. So, you know, I think like one of the difficult things about this film, and you can feel it when you see it, is there's a very real, or I should say the thing the public sees is that you have to make a product that has to be consumed. But there's a real thing going on. There's a director, there's a crew, uh, the actors, you know, mourning. And so I just want to start with you. How do you go from mourning which you just described as, you know, the steward of the franchise, a friend, to writing another script. Did you consider leaving? Did you consider not? Did you say, I- I'm out, I'm that's it? Did you think about that? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I thought about all of that. Um, I think everybody did, bro. Like, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think everybody did. Um... But I mean, when you, when you, I'm not gonna lie to you, Coach, that was relatively short lived. You know, everything about Chad was unique. How he lived and how he died was also unique. I realized that he was like an expert at withholding information. Like, I found out in the release that he had been sick since I known him. So he was sick on the film? He was sick when I met him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he might have been diagnosed shortly after we met but was struggling with it when we met. You know what I mean? Like, the first time I met him was 2015. And, you know, when he passed, bro, like, I found out, like, oh, man, he was, like, I just went back to, like, all the things that, that I asked him to do, like, in the, in, the, in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, fight this dude, hang off of this thing, jump onto this pad, jump onto this. And, like, some some days when I would find him doing things that were kind of inexplicable. Like, we would do these these, these things in the water where, where uh, you know, the waterfall stuff. But so it would take him, like, a long time to, to warm back up. Like, you have to be in, like, in a warming tent for, like, a long time. And I'd be like, I'd be like, man, that's, I'd be like, that's odd. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Things like that. Or, or you know, some some days I would find him just, like, incredibly sad. But looking back, I'm like, oh, man, my man was dying. It's a shocking thing to, to realize. And it's also a thing where it's like, oh, yeah, I can't quit. If he, if he did all of that while he was going through that, you know, this is just grief. So it's like, yeah, we got to push through. I met Chad back in the mid-90s at Howard University. We would hang out at our friend Camilla Forbes' crib with a raft of young artists, rappers, and dancers. Chad was kind, charismatic, self-determined, and kind of mystical. I can see him now walking across the yard with a chew stick in his mouth and incense in his afro. In 1998, he was among a group of student leaders who sought to stop the university from closing its College of Fine Arts. 
I covered Chad and the protests for the student newspaper, The Hilltop. A few months later, when our friend Camila cast him in her first student play, I wrote the liner notes for the playbill. When I was offered the chance to write the Black Panther comic book for Marvel, Chad had already been cast in the movie to play T'Challa. And then when he died in 2020, I was asked to write a short obit to appear in the comic. After Chad passed, I attended a private ceremony for him in California. There was drumming. There was singing. There was a laying of hands on the casket. There was a lot of sadness and a lot of crying. But there was something beautiful in seeing these two families he'd pulled together. One from his days at the Mecca of Howard University, and then another at this Mecca that he'd made out of Black Panther. The weight of it all was borne by both families. But the weight of the latter, those who had to go on and make Wakanda forever, was different. They would have to mourn Chad while telling a story which had been defined by him. So I think like this leads to something, and that is, and this is kind of how I wanted you to talk about that. Like you're talking about somebody that was a steward of a character, a steward of a world, a steward of of, of a franchise. Um, You're talking about somebody that had a very particular relationship that actually went beyond lead actor, uh, both with you as the director and writer. Yeah. Joe is the writer also uh, with the cast and crew. Um, it, it was more than that. You just made the point about how if, it, if 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 there wasn't some real feel in the family, the movie doesn't work. Yeah. And so I, I just want you to just talk a little bit about whether you even considered the possibility of recasting a T'Challa, what that would have meant. Yeah. To ask an actor to come in uh, uh, to to fill that role, which, as you described, is a little bit more than a a lot more than just a, a, the role as a lead actor. Yeah, it's a great question, man. I mean, like, you consider everything. Like, you know, like when something like that happens, like it's it's like I, I was like, I don't know, if, I don't think I could come back and make another one. I don't think I could do this. Like, I don't think there should be another one. You know, what I mean? <laughs> you get you go through all like the you go through all of the extremes. I would say, and and yeah, for me to say that, like, we consider recasting as an option is like. That's a complicated thing to even say, cause like, with these movies, just like my job as a as a director, you know, <laughs> I don't think people fully appreciate any job that's not their own. Right, right. But like the the true day to day of of my job is like, you know, several hundred days of long days of getting other professionals to believe in ideas that I find truthful. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like that's 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 what my what my job is. I, I have to believe in something enough to go convince other professionals to believe in it as well for an extended period of time. And the moment that I stop believing in what I'm doing, whatever end product that I'm putting out is cooked. Like it's done. It has to be truthful for me. And if there's any element of nope for me, like, you know what I'm saying? Like in the process, it's my job to weed that out so that I have a fighting chance of, of putting some out in front of the audience that the audience can believe and, and not be taken out of for two hours. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? While they're eating their popcorn and, and next to strangers or, or while they're at the house and their kids is doing X, Y, and Z, they have to believe in some kernel of truth that's happening on that screen. You know what I'm saying? And my truth is... Chad was gone 
from the physical sense, he wasn't walking through that door. And in the world that we created over the years, he was the God. And for somebody else to be him, you know what I mean? For us in the, in the world that we created, we wouldn't have believed it. No matter how good the actor was, no matter how, you know what I'm saying? It just, it, it would have been lacking the necessary truth for us to do a good job. And the truth, truth is the will that we pull from as artists. You know, our truth was, our truth was lost, you know? Which is a fact of life. It's the, it's the gift and the curse of life. Heroes, great men, die. You know? Yeah. I wondered, yeah, like, what did you say to people? What did you tell them? Because you're the captain, you know what I mean? Like, you're head coach. I mean, it's, it's your team. You talking about how to, like, how, to, how to move forward with the work? Yes, exactly. Because, you, I mean, you're having your thoughts, I mean, but they having them too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. What I, what I would say to people is, like, this is what I'm thinking we're going to do, you know? What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, he, he, we had a we had a unique relationship, you know. Like I'm not on every movie. I can't tell you what every movie is like. You know what I'm saying? I'm only on my own movies. But I could tell you that this one was special. I could tell you that the way that the audience reacted to this was special. I think that like in movies where like world building is involved, because I, I, at the time I had made three movies. Fruitville was based on some real stuff and based on real lives and real people, real loss in a real place, you know. With the Bay Area, you know, you turn the camera on and the work is done for you in terms of building the world. You know what I'm saying? You just got to get the things you can control right, but everything is there. And the same with Philly and Creed, you know what I'm saying? Like, Philly's there, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, you know, walls, Liberty Bell, steps, you know what, you know what I mean? Like, we turn the cameras on, we rock. But Wakanda's not real, you know what I'm saying? And if Wakanda didn't feel like a real place, if the people didn't feel like a real family, if if Chad's character and Mike's character didn't feel like distant cousins, or Tish's character and Chad's character didn't feel like siblings. That movie don't work. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? But I think the reason that it that it works is because the relationships was real. It was real love. Like Chad believed in it, therefore it caused other people to believe in it. You know what I'm saying? Therefore, when you see them acting, yeah, it's, it's make believe, but there's also like a level of like real commitment that's happening between the characters and happening behind the scenes between the crew. And Chadwick was like the battery for that. But he was also, at the same time, he was selfless. Like at the same time, he was about everybody else. So I think when we thought about it for long enough, it was like, oh yeah, we gotta keep it rocking for him. We have to, like, you know, this dude made this shit while he was dying and did it better than everybody. Had the best accent, had the best fight scenes, you know, while he was, while he was trying to survive. And we knew how he felt about us and he left it in his, he left it in his relationships with us and his text messages to us, you know what I'm saying? And the emails and the conversations. And also like in the interviews, like I went back while I was going through like the heavy mourning process, 
you know, I was just sitting in bed, man, watching interviews I did with him that I couldn't even remember doing because we was doing so many back-to-back. It's like a lot of players who play with Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Like you play 82-game season with him. You know what I mean? And, you know, how it works is they just trying to play ball. They trying to just win games. They just trying to play with their teammate. But then in retrospect, it's like, God damn. You know what I'm saying? Like I was like, you know, I was passing the ball to Jordan. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I set him that screen when he hit the, <laughs> you know what I mean? When he hit the thing. Like like I had those moments. Right. I was the guy for six months walking up to this dude saying, hey, man, maybe try it like this. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you know and, and having like, the, you know, having like the long conversations of like what this comic book character is thinking. And it's like, man, isn't this crazy that we get to, we get to goof off and play while at the same time leaving a mark that may possibly be everlasting. Mm. You know, it was a lot. But like, you know, he would say it in his speeches, man. He'd be like, man, we gotta keep going. Like he would accept the word and say, hey man, it's gotta be a number two. And, and it was very clear for everybody who knew him that we had to, you know, we had to keep it rocking, you know what I'm saying? But in a way that we could do it, in a way that we could believe, you know what, you know what I'm saying? Ryan, thank you. Thank you for the time. Uh, thank you for um, going to a very, very difficult place uh, just to, to, to recall, you know, what, what this meant to you and how we got here. Oh, no, it's all good, bro. I mean, it's, it's there, bro, all the time. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's there all the time, Coach. So, yeah. Hey, Coach, bro, I love you, bro. Hey, I love you, man. Good luck, man. Appreciate that, brother. You know, I'm looking forward to talking again. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Over the summer, my wife and I saw a cut of Wakanda forever. About five minutes in, we asked the projectionist to pause the film. I don't want to spoil anything. Suffice to say, it was a little overwhelming. I thought about that moment Ryan mentioned in his interview about truth, about Chad being gone in the physical sense. And you can feel that in Wakanda forever, the mourning imbuing the fiction with truth. I don't think I've ever seen a movie set in a world so absurd and fantastic that felt so very real and so very haunting. On this podcast, we'll explore all the many elements and players that helped Wakanda forever ascend to new heights. We're still in the thick of production, working on interviews we recorded with Ryan, the cast and crew, as they themselves work to finish the film. We're following their journey in real time through theatrical release and beyond. So if you want to join us and hear more, Follow, rate, and review Wakanda Forever, the official Black Panther podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And tell your friends and loved ones to do the same. To learn more about this podcast, visit ProximityMedia.com. And follow at ProximityMedia, at Marvel, and at Marvel Studios on Twitter and Instagram. The film will be in theaters soon. See it. I think you'll feel something. Like I did. And then you can meet me back here on this podcast early next year. It'll be five years since Black Panther changed the world. I look forward to sharing what I learned about this new chapter of the amazing, incredible, uncanny Wakanda forever with you. Mm -hmm.
coming to the throne room on the first day. And I literally had to sit in the place where he sat on the throne. And I had to get used to that. And what would that feel like as a mother? And why am I as an actress here? And can I feel, you know, feel this moment, feel these shoes? How can you tie score and songs together in the world building of the movie and, and tie them together as one unit mm. and not make him feel like they're two separate things, not making him feel like, oh, here's a needle drop here. Right. Here's the song coming out here. So, you know, it's all flowing together as one emotion. Yeah. And I think that was something that we were able for the first time to achieve with this movie. The level of research was deeper than what I did with Wakanda. There was a certain feeling, even though I'm American, I'm not African, but I understood a certain thing, right? That's my people, it's in my DNA. And so I did not have that here and I needed to do three times as much to make sure that I was doing right by this culture and by the people that inspire Talakan. You know, people who read the comics know that there's 80 years of, of stories with Namor that we can tap into. Where and when, we'll uh, keep to ourselves for now, but we think that um, this is an incredibly iconic character that's being introduced, probably to most people, most moviegoers for the first time, and we very much expect them to want to see more. We know what you whisper. They have lost their protector. Now is our time to strike. Show them who we are. Wakanda Forever, the official Black Panther podcast, is a production of Proximity Media in partnership with Marvel Studios, Marvel Entertainment, and the Walt Disney Studios. The series is written and hosted by me, Ta-Nehisi Coates, and produced by Paula Mardo. Executive producers are Ryan Kugler, Zinzi Kugler, Sev Ohanian, and Paula Mardo. The film score is composed by Ludwig Gorenson, James Kim is our story editor. Our audio editors are Cameron Kell and Cedric Wilson. Sound design and additional music is by Pat Masidi Miller. Lauren Newson is our audio engineer. Paulina Cherizova is our production assistant. Special thanks to Octavia Rideout, Adam Cole, Susan Mueller, Lydia Wood, Courtney Archard, Natalie Mead, and the Proximity Media team, including Pete Nix, Archie Davis, Amar Muhammad. Monica Sanand, D'Angelo Dilo Lewis, Zitra Evans, Maddie Bull, Gabby Arvizu, and Quincy Bryant. The character of the Black Panther was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Black Panther Wakanda Forever is co-written and directed by Ryan Coogler. It's produced by Kevin Feige and Nate Moore. I'm Ta-Nehisi Coates. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the film. I'll meet you back here soon. Oh.